Hello, and thank you for listening to Renewables, a podcast by Biostar, which aims to explore the current and future energy landscape in America. Hey, everyone. It's your host, David Smart, and I have a very special episode for you this week. Recently, I took the podcast on the road and met with three farmers in Indiana, Michigan, and Illinois. But I didn't take the journey alone. I had Biostar's chief agronomist, Alan Philo, showing this city boy the ropes on the farm. I even got to visit Alan's farm in Wisconsin, which was a highlight of the trip. Biostar's Super 6 field trials are underway, and getting to sit down with farmers and hear firsthand how our product is working is so important. For those of you who don't know, Super 6 is Biostar's patented organic fertilizer. This revolutionary 6% nitrogen product is 100% plant available, enabling better crop yields and improved soil health on your farm. Disclaimer, this podcast is not like the rest. There were no cushy offices, no cameras, and no studio quality sound. We recorded these amazing interviews in barns, farm-to-table restaurants, and even out in the field. So enjoy the noise of the everyday hustle and bustle of some incredible organic farms. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, David Smart. Welcome back to another episode of Renewables. We are on our 2022 summer farm tour, uh, going around and visiting trials uh, and customers who are using our Super 6 fertilizer in the fields. Uh, We are actually at Epiphany Farms in Bloomington, Illinois, which is a fabulous restaurant. And if you're anywhere within 300 miles of here, I highly recommend you make the drive immediately to come have the food. And we probably ate some vegetables tonight uh, from Prairie Earth Farms. And we have Hans Bishop here and Alan Philo, and we're gonna have a conversation about what we're currently doing in this growing season with Super 6. And um, I'm gonna kind of hand over the reins here to um, Alan and Hans to have a conversation about Super 6 and uh, what crops you're currently using it on and, and the trials that we have underway. So Hans, you and I have known each other for a number of years, but for the people listening to this, can you just tell us some about how you ended up in Bloomington, Illinois, and what your farm looks like? I'm Hans Bishop, president of Prairie Earth Farm Incorporated. Uh, With my wife, Katie Bishop, we farm 400 acres of certified organic uh, cropland, and uh, we're in Atlanta, Illinois, about two and a half hours south of Chicago, two hours north of St. Louis. How many different crops? Uh, Too many to count right now. We have vegetables, all different kinds of mixed vegetables that we sell through our CSA program and through wholesale accounts in Central Illinois and Chicago, as well as uh, corn, soybeans, oats, and wheat. So, last season we were growing. 70 acres of vegetables and selling the whole foods and um, we were presented with the opportunity to take on another 100 acres of row crops and um, we decided to shift our focus onto grains and start transitioning that 100 acres into organics Um, and that's the future that we see the farm going from here on is in smaller small grains and phasing out the vegetable operation so in growing the vegetables 
over the years, what are some of the tools that you found the most useful and what were some of the things that you kind of always found lacking in the operation, I mean, especially in regards to fertility? So when we first started, we would, um, you know, a cup of liquid fish into the transplant water and maybe a teaspoon of kelp and think we were doing something like good for the earth. So, like, so let me stop you. So when you say like a cup of fish into the transplant water, like how many gallons of transplant water? I'm not even sure. Okay, like 50 gallons of transplant water? Sure. All right, so there's a very small, we're like talking about a homeopathic remedy. Yeah, we did a dance around it too. <laughs> that seemed to work. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Makes you feel better. Right. So we um, got very uh, mixed results uh, when we would use these methods. And um, after a while, like, we were growing on the same, like, land, and we would see that we would have, like, incredibly variable yields, and we'd have just a lot of disease pressure, so we... um, began working with Alan on uh, fertility um, plans and like coming up with like what are we actually pulling out of the soil and what do we need to put back into the soil to um, feed our crops and uh, have consistent crops and um, Super 6 was a really good um, option for us because we knew exactly like how much Super 6 put in to 300 gallons of transplant water um, and how much was getting put down with each plant and roughly like what we could expect from that and the results were very consistent. So you had told us a story about issues you'd had with a planting mix and celery earlier tonight. You would just want to repeat that? Sure. So we found our potting mix uh, this spring to be lacking in nutrients and they were after they germinated they got very like light pale green colored and uh, they essentially stopped growing Um, we found out that there were some ingredients that were left out or maybe had expired in the potting mix we weren't exactly sure because we didn't conduct conduct the soil test but um, we applied a teaspoon of uh, Super 6 to a gallon of like just general water applied through a watering can and within about five to seven days we saw the deep green color of celery you know come back and um, they began to grow like at a more normal pace that we were used to if not maybe slightly faster and develop more uh, you know top growth um so they could be transplanted more aggressively in the field. It's always interesting to me about celery because it's it's a plant that has a really poor root system, mm-hmm. even especially when it's young and like in the before it gets transplanted. So any issues you have with celery, like nitrogen is one of the very first things that it's going to run out of because nitrogen just tends to wash out of the top of the soil profile. So being able to supply a uh, readily available, easy to use form. I think you'd, you'd also said that you liked it because your farmhands had an easy time using it. They knew how much to use, right. when to use it, and how to put it in the. And right. Have you had any, any issues with it, like 
plugging drip lines. I mean, run it through drip lines, plugging screens on anything. We've had no issues uh, running Super 6 through drip lines or any type of uh, fertigation. Um, in fact, uh, some of our employees have uh, actually transplanted uh, some squash at the incorrect population, um, actually effectively doubling the population that it should be planted at. And uh, I consulted with Alan about what we should do, and his suggestion was to, you know, run some super six through the lines to like allow it to still have enough nutrition to uh, be able to grow and uh, produce fruit and uh, we've been doing it roughly every week and we have not had any issues like we would with fish uh, you know plugging drip lines and having like blanks running you know for 20 feet in the bed where uh, even water wasn't getting through the drip lines and you'd wind up with even more stressed plants than they were because they were too densely populated. Going forward with your transition to more of a grain farm, like how do you see you changing your fertility plan and using those kinds of products into the future? Um, I think my biggest fascination is with um, winter wheat because one of the first things that we talked about when we started doing more small grains was... Um, what wheat's nutritional requirements were early in the growing season, but in the Midwest we have issues with, um, you know, cool soils. So nitrogen isn't readily available to winter wheat when it needs it. So I'm really excited to try this on our <coughs> T2 field that we just picked up this year, uh, next season and try to get it's a lot more available nitrogen <laughs> that crop and hopefully get a better like wheat crop out of this field than we did like six years ago when we transitioned our first That's 80 acres to organic. So, um, I know it's 600 and um, it gives me the results I need. Love it. You don't have to be on. I'm not trying to be on. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm being a little goofy. I just want to we'll show you a personal level, okay? Uh-huh. The journey that that product came on. Okay. <laughs> we had to rip it out of the hands of a guy in fellow Washington. Right. <laughs> drive a guy up there with his own toes who said, wow, that really smells. That's right. <laughs> and so, not giving that young guy any opportunity to say, like, here's what you're getting into. Bring it back to a place we staged in a place called Ranger, Washington. Is that really the journey that it came on? No, it's really what has happened with this problem. Holy cow. Expedited it through rocket shipping, which is a friend of (laughs) mine, a guy who's worked for me now, works for a couple of So we put it on a rocket. And it came to the Midwest. A couple thousand dollars later, it showed up a week or so. That's a slow rocket. It's, it takes a while. Things are not... Let's Simple use. zeros multiple times. Oh, okay. Landed in Dodge, Wisconsin, in a plant that we call 13, which is a parking lot hidden behind the greenhouse and <laughs> behind the office. And do some collaboration, because Alan and I have been friends a while, and, and I'm, I want to support this, too. I think this guy's got something that the industry needs. Um, 
we managed to bundle and put a package together. So it was a mixture of Super 6, non-protein nitrogen, as I like to say it, for how much? 95% ammoniacal. Is that right? 95% ammoniacal. And um, something you just don't get anywhere. And we partnered that with a carbohydrate source, a product called TerraFed. And then we mixed in a biological, which by all rights should not have lasted very long because it would have blown up on the you know on the shipment <laughs> and so so far this tote that you got out of Goodfield, it's not blown up it got on an LTL from Dodgeville to Goodfield yeah made it safe Eric stored it there until you came and got it yeah you opened up the lid in the top just to take a whiff and see what's in this package that arrived did it go or boom um I'm not sure but I'm gonna go with yeah a little yeah Okay, was the tote? Expanded. Slightly bloated. It's not bloated now. Yeah, see, if it was growing, it should have just kept bloating. It could have just been heat. So it's kind of a three-part deal. Nitrogen, we got it in a shade tree, or under a shade tree. <clears throat> it's good. And it's, how much have you used of it? Is it gone? Not much. The whole I, conversation is, we're talking about rockets and... Biologicals blowing up and um, I get back to but it would turn them off the and be like, I'm out of here. Yeah. I got a spider in the tomatoes. Which one was that? The the um what what does regenerative I regenerative agony? Thank you. What does that mean? I guess reimagining agriculture and I it can just mean something different to anybody. It doesn't have a broad definition. So, yeah, I don't know. Trying new things. Trying new things again. Or trying old things again in a new way. There's really no definition for it. <clears throat> um, yeah. Consultants call themselves. I'm a regenerative I always thought it was because organic is interesting more with the new that it can be hydroponic, it can be in vivo, and so they came up with regenerative. I can't say it either as a way to talk about that the the foundation of organic is creating a cycle of life. Right. That's to me. It means focusing on what's below the ground not what you get above the ground. Like, it's about creating the best place Feeding the for soil. the crops to live yeah. long-term. Right. And, and thinking about... Out. Like, they took the word sustainable and said, that's not enough for us. We need to get a catchier word. It's like beyond organic. Are you sustainable? Sure. No. He wasn't sustainable. Because he used fuel... Because we work our bodies to the point that we can't keep doing this forever and ever. Yep. There isn't a form of ag, I think, in the modern developing world that could be called sustainable. Just try this one out. I don't know anything, so I'll trust you. I visited a guy who wanted to go organic, like to big scale, and his dad had a lot of money. He bought a lot of grain, he sold crop insurance. He lived in Montgomery, Indiana, somewhere down there. And I visited his farm. He took me out for a drive on his side-by-side or whatever we were in. And he came to a fence row 
And he said, you see that, like, drop in elevation? The soil used to be up here, and now it's down here. And they call that tolerable soil loss. So there was a lot of, you know, to me, sustainable is we're back to right where we started. Do we Are we holding on? Are we allowing stuff to go away? Like, are we sustaining, you know? You can't have, I mean, you can't have a sustainable ag system in an extractive economy. It's just, it's like an impossibility because no one's willing to put in the, basically like the capital needed to create a sustainable system. So, like, if you think about the difference between, like, people doing ag on the same ground in China for 4,000 years, right? They know they're not moving. They know their children aren't moving. They know their grandchildren aren't moving. Right? They know that this is where they are. And they know that anything that they do now carries forward. So you can do things that for us, if we were to do like a like an economic analysis, they make decisions we would never make. I'm going to spend countless hours taking stones and placing them to create terraces on steep hillsides so that I get a quarter more of an acre to grow more food on, right? That is the foundation of sustainability because it has to be sustainable because they see into the future to sustain their families. We do not operate like that in this country. Most of modern society does not operate like that at all. And all of these things are basically, we farm inside of an economic system and the economic system dictates how sustainable we can be. Policy dictates how sustainable we can be. And it's not, you you almost, it's my opinion that you almost can't farm in what would be an actually environmentally sustainable manner and make a profit. Which is how you sustain your farm sustainably in our society. So these two things are at odds with one another. My dad would be like, I could plant the whole thing to corn and beans, but I like to leave a little hay up there too, just to hold the soil in place for the next guy. Or, you know, you take that farm over from a guy that's like, he farmed it out, never put anything back, never took care of it, right? And then the other big one that Regenerative really uses a lot, and I don't know if this is an accurate measurement, but organic matter. You know, like you get like a special prize if you improve your organic matter. It's like Cisco and Ebert here. But... That is kind of the thing is like, are you building soils or are you depleting soils? And that's kind of where I I land on that whole thing. I don't know if I'm huge on the word regenerative or not, but I hear people buying into that. Word. They're adopting oh, it's it. It's definitely a buzzword. They're adopting it fast. Like, I'm a regenerative agronomist. What's your favorite row crop to grow? Broccoli. Right. Most money. Right. That's uh, sustainable. <laughs> Corn is very regenerative. <laughs> it is actually. It's a lot of biomass if you plow it under. Um, no, I mean it's. You gotta plow it deep. It's very. Uh, Seriously though, what do you like? It's very gratifying to grow corn. It is. Like initially, I thought I was going to be very 
sad, not cultivating like for half hour to two hours every like week. I mean, I cultivate more than that, but I'm just like pulling my favorite cultivator out and running it for a half hour to two hours every week, depending upon what we were growing. But I'm very happy, like running that 12 row cultivator for 12 hours at a time and just like getting 150 acres done in one day. Have you ever put yourself to sleep cultivating? No. Really? No. Because I used to get like almost like hypnotized by the those plants going by. Self-unconscious. Thank you very much, No problem. My pleasure. Let me know if you need anything else, man. I appreciate it. We are continuing the 2022 Super Six Field Trials Farm Tour here in Morocco, Indiana. We're at Sand Knob Farm. Uh, with Matt Gibson and, of course, our chief agronomist, Alan Philo, and going to have a conversation about uh, the corn trial we have going on and, and how it's going. So, Matt, can you just tell us a little bit to start with about the farm here, um, like how many acres you're doing total, uh, what kind of crop mix you have, et cetera? Okay. Uh, yeah, family farm. We farm about 3,500 acres. Uh, of that, about 500 is uh, certified organic currently. This is about our fifth or sixth year uh, in that range of acres uh, of organic. Um, the other acres, we'd have about 17, 1,800 acres of regular commercial corn, um, soybeans, wheat, uh, pasture, hay, and uh, we also have about 500 uh, cow-calf pears make up the balance of our operation. A pretty diverse mix. And... Um... We were talking a little bit about some of the challenging weather conditions of this year. I mean, thankfully, you've gotten some rain lately, but it sounded like crops were in a kind of a difficult spot a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, a lot of our organic acres, especially, we we purposely have placed on very light, sandy soils. Um, you know, those are uh, soils that are more forgiving for the traffic and things that we have to do in the organic world. Also, you know, if we catch a, a decent rain, we're able to access those acres faster than some of our other soil types. So, uh, unfortunately, a lot of the organic crops really suffered early this year as we didn't we didn't have any substantial rain really from March until about the uh, 20th of July. Um, let's say before that, two or three tenths, maybe four tenths of rain was most we had. So, uh, getting the organic corn established uh, early uh, was stayed kind of cool. So we didn't really get it, it didn't explode out like we hoped. And then, of course, uh, when corn grows slow or any crop in the organic world, the wheat pressure seems to, to overtake it. So we've struggled with that a little bit. And now, of course, we've got uh, stunted crops with uh, late July rains. And, and we're, we'll see some of that when we walk the field later. But uh, I'm not proud of our, our weed management this year. But overall, the crops have recovered, look, look really good and considering everything. And the um, so the... The trial that you've done with the product um, is on that organic corn. So I'm just wondering if you could talk about some about how you applied that, what you thought of the handling characteristics of the product itself, and um, just kind of what you've seen. Again, it's been a challenging year, and we'll see someone we're out there in the field, but kind of what you've seen since that rain and um, any other comments on the, on the product generally um, that you might have. Right. In the field where we applied it, we had our... our best biomass we probably had oh 
15 to 20 tons of biomass, green green dry matter or green biomass that we worked down. So we really struggled um, early. We didn't, you know, it was dry and we didn't really get uh, conditions to help that break down early. So, what, so that was the cover crop? That was a cover crop. It was um, a product through Byron Seed that had four or five different mixes in it and um, really did a nice job. We applied 20 tons of composted cow manure on top of it before we worked it in and worked all that in. And normally with normal rains, that would break down rather quickly. But what, what happened was we ended up just having dry straw on top of the ground and, and we weren't getting a lot. So we, we struggled to get get that tilled under so we could get the crop planted. And of course, once we get the crop planted, we still have all this dry biomass. So anything else we tried to do, tine weeding or rotary hoeing or cultivating was was difficult because we, again, you know, we had this dry, fluffy biomass to deal with. So um, fortunately now, I think, you know, we'll see in the crop later today that all of that's breaking down and really, really starting to take off. Um, you know, we applied uh, the product in, in furrow at 10 gallons on our test strips. And we're comparing that to our normal course of action, which would be five gallons in furrow and 10 gallons two by two of other products. So um, it should be interesting to see. And then we've come back on a portion of the acres and applied uh, 10 gallons of various mixes in a foliar feeding uh, situation. And then I followed uh, the same day part of it and the next day the rest with the cultivator. So any, any of the product that had ground contact should have been incorporated in the soil. Um, did you have any issues handling the product? What were the handling characteristics like? It wasn't bad. Um, it's got a, a very unique smell to it, so you want to be be careful with that. But uh, no, it, it flowed right through our system. Um, we run, run a totally tubular system. Uh, we use micro tubes for orifices, so you know and we, we're used to using uh, heavier uh, starter fertilizer products, uh, some products from QLF that can be very, very thick, especially in, in cool temperatures. So we, with this particular product, the handling and the use, we had no problems whatsoever. So the other thing that was kind of unique about the product that we sent you is a combination of Super 6, which is our 6% nitrogen fertilizer, combined with some TerraFed, but it also had a biological in it. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see any issues when it showed up with like those tanks being bloated or any signs that that biology was like about ready to cause any issues i really didn't no and, and um quite honestly it, it sat on the trailer for quite a while just trying to get the right weather timing and you know it was shipped to us uh by a third-party carrier that took a while so there was plenty of opportunity for you know something to occur in those tanks before we got it and, and i didn't didn't see anything and i was one personally that that handled the material to get in into the planter and, and and do those things so when you're testing a material like this just looking forward towards you know um, tassel and um, harvest at the end of the year. What do you consider success when you're testing a product like this? Well, you've obviously got your status quo, uh, and you know, you know, if you use that as your control, um, you would want any anything you're doing to be as good or better, right? There's got to be some advantage to that. So we're either looking for better standability, you know, better better stay green, uh, you know, obviously yield. At the end of the day. You know, I get paid for yield. So uh, if you're going to add more work or add more expense to your to your cropping rotation, you've, you've got to get more income from it. So the other day, that, that's the goal, right? That's right. Well, hopefully we'll be back in the fall maybe to get in the combine with you or to 
kind of see how things are finishing out. And thank you for your time today. I'm going to kick it back to David here to finish this out. Thanks a lot, Matt. You bet. Thank you. Hey, everybody. We are back on the third day of the 2022 farm tour, and we are at Twin Pines Organic Farms with Pete Crazier. We are in Minden City, Michigan this morning, and uh, very appreciative of Pete and your partnership. And we're we're here um, doing a field trial and, and we're going to have a conversation with Pete about how things are going this year. And of course, we have Alan Philo, our chief agronomist as well. So gentlemen, I will let you kick it off. All right, Pete, it's been a while since we saw each other about seven years, but it's good to be here again. Can you tell us a little bit about your farm and what you do here, your crop mix, et cetera? Okay. Um, I have met Alan through Midwestern Bioag when he worked with them. And we have been at our current farm since 1984. We moved here and we started farming it in 1988. We uh, Our initiation into farming was the drought year. And, uh, but... I met Gary Zimmer then in 1990 and became involved with uh, Midwestern Bioag and Allen throughout the years. And I've been certified organic for 31 years on my farm here in Minden City. And uh, we grow a mix of um, food grade soybeans. Uh, we have some corn in this year. We've grown soft white winter wheat for a company in Minnesota for over 30 years. And um, we do grow a lot of pinto beans but because of contract issues and supply and demand, that kind of softened up and we haven't grown any for a couple of years, but are looking at growing them again next year. Um, so basically a small operation. We only have 160 acres of land that we farm, but that was plenty with all the years of running the fertilizer facility in Kindy. Right. So that it's it's been enough. You want to talk just for a minute about your background with being a fertility consultant and working with other farmers in the area developing fertility plans for them? We've been very successful in the organic realm of things. And of course, we also work with the biological guys on sugar beets and different things like that. But I probably, the thing that pleases us the most is all the people that we've transitioned to organic farming and mentored, you know, throughout the years. When we started in 1989 in our transition year, uh, my neighbor, Jeff Booms and I were the only two in this area that were doing organic farming. And now there's well, if you drive from here to the main road, two miles down the road, everything on both side, sides of the road is certified organic. It's all organic yeah. all the way. So there's a lot of organic production in this neighborhood. So, um, Well, that's a, that's a real change over the years. Now, we, you did a trial for us. We, brought, we uh, shipped you a product that was made out of you know, our, our product that we make, which is the Super 6, combined with some TerraFed and some biologicals. And you put it on soybeans? I First, I did the uh, in-furrow planter with the corn. Yeah. We put approximately eight gallons to the acre, and we've got, um, we shut it off for a round. So 16 rows are shut off. And then when we ran out of the product with the CX-1 in, then we switched over, flagged it, and we switched over to the product with the CFOS. CFOS in it. Yeah. And, and then, so then we took the remaining balance that was in the totes after the soybeans were up. Um, Tim wanted us to put it on the corn, but the corn got away on us. We couldn't foliar feed it. So we foliar fed the beans instead. And we'll, we'll, uh, keep track of that on that also. So what was that like in terms of like stability of the mix, 
handling characteristics, um, how it like just kind of like ease of use and stability of something. I mean, you haven't seen a product before that is actually that mix of of a nitrogen source, a sugar source, and a biological that stayed stable. It was amazing because uh, we got it in here on May twentieth, and I don't know how long it took to ship here, but um, I guess we planted corn on the well, maybe maybe the very next day even, but. Um, it was mixed good, and then it was probably June, mid to late June, when we foliar fed the soybeans with it, and it was still very stable and very. When we opened the you know the the top up, you could look down; it wasn't all cloudy and murky. It was nice and clear, and and just looked good yet. And so, amazing product. We'll see what the results are, and uh, I guess I might add that we we're also in in what I would call one of our worst droughts since 1988. So. If we don't get a lot of rain in the future here, I don't know what we're going to end up with. But so far in July, we've had 1.23 inches. That's what we've had so far for the whole month. Yeah, and today's the 28th. Rained so. about 1 20th of an inch <laughs> yeah. while we were here. Didn't even get our t-shirt wet. But <laughs> but yeah, hopefully hopefully you guys get some good rain. And I hope to be back this fall, maybe get in the combine with you a little bit and see what's going on. And and I guess, um, I guess my last question for you would be, what... You know, what do you consider when you're trialing? You've tried lots of products over the years. And when you're doing a product like this, like, what do you consider success? How do you measure success? Well, I would say health of the crop. And, and then, of course, obviously, if we have a yield difference. But um, over the course of years, some of the stuff that we've tried, we've never really seen a yield bump. But we've seen a healthier looking crop. No, mm -hmm. Like, especially on the, on the wheat, we didn't have all the leaf diseases and the... And mm -hmm. the um, the smut and all that other things that everybody else seems to get, you know, uh, the vomitoxin. So I think we've definitely seen health benefits from it, but we've done a lot of things for 30 years, 30 plus years. So, I mean, I, I, I can't give any one particular thing credit for it, but I think it's, it's the whole system of farming that we do has made our crops healthy. I was, um, my son, and I went in, in the restaurant last night to get a burger after work and, uh, or after dark and this, conventional farm was in there and he was complaining because he had to go spray for spider mites. And I looked at him and he said, spider mites already? Well, he said, my whole field was wiped out. Wow. And I just, you know, I didn't get in a, <laughs> <laughs> you don't mix politics, religion, and, no. and, uh, and farming, you know, when you're sitting in the bar. So we didn't do that. But um, I just listened. I did. I just listened and chuckled to myself, thought, yeah, you know, dump on a few more chemicals and see what happens, you know. Just keep going with it. So, on more sides. Yeah, but. Well, thanks so much for your time today. I'm going to hand it back over to David here for just a second. Yeah. We hope to be back out again. Pete, it was a pleasure to meet you. Thank you very much for yes, David, same uh, you. working with us on this trial. And we will also look forward to the results. And we will be uh, saying a little prayer for some rain here. Um, that would be awesome. In the future. So thank you. And um, this actually concludes the 2022 Farm Tour it's been a great trip. Thank you for following and listening to Renewables. Hello, and thank you for listening to Renewables, a podcast by Biostar, which aims to explore the current and future energy landscape in America. 